0: Revelation chapter number three and We're going to read verse number two and if the Lord would help us we'll preach from verse number two and three Revelation chapter three Verses two and three we will read verse number two Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die for I have not found thy works perfect Before God, I'd like to title this message, A Distracted Church. A Distracted Church. I know that when I stand here, I have an awesome responsibility to you and to God. I stand betwixt eternity and time, caught in this moment, and I must accept my accountability right now. I will one day stand before God for the moments I stand before you, and much more will be at stake. My soul will hang in jeopardy for my faithfulness to God. So before I start, I know that there will be folks who will disagree with my message. You're welcome. There will be those who will agree. Thank you. But whether you disagree or agree, I only ask for the permission that you hear me out. After you have heard me. And we have an opportunity to pray. We will see what God will do. Amen. A distracted church. We have watched through the decades the gradual erosion of the life of our people. We've watched and found it hard to find the handbrake on this steep. We have seen as it was by the spirit of the Lord that was given to John that there are things that are ready to die only somebody that is distracted would not pay attention to that what is more important than life and especially the life of a church in this world that we that we live in there is nothing in it more important to God than the church there is absolutely nothing in this world more important to God than the body of Christ The only connection between heaven and earth is the church. The Holy Ghost does not work outside of the church. He does his greatest, his most marvelous, his most magnificent works in the church. If it was not necessary for a church to be here, then the Lord would have found some other organism, and he would have raised up some other organization. But he has stuck steadfast with the church, and he shall stay with the church because the church is his choice and therefore because we are the choice of god it behooves us to pay attention to our god anybody say amen not wall street not the democratic platform nor the republican platform we must pay attention to god to survive, we must we must do something now or it will die. We have watched the death of other organizations. Before our eyes, we have seen them die. I'm not here anti-church, I am here pro-church. I am for it. And I want you to know that. But I would not be true to you if I told you that I've never seen the church in a stronger position than what it holds now. Amen. You see, there is that lofty pursuit of holiness, which has been replaced by the lofty pursuit of happiness. God's people would rather be happy than holy. And you can tell that our, hap- that our high pursuit of is after happiness because we spend more money on things that make us happy than we do in the time it takes to make us holy. Amen. And the standard of good and evil has been ridiculed till it has become embarrassing to appeal to the eternal concept that God's Word is God's Word. Now we must appeal to the higher intellect of man. But there was a time when we appealed only to the eternal word of God. If we are to find our condition, we must find it between the covers of this book. You cannot find it. You cannot find it outside of the confine of God's thoughts. Amen. For every man has an opinion and your opinion is as good as mine. But mine also is as good as yours. And opinions bring us back to the same place, unsettled, unsettled, and will remain unsettled. Our holiness standards were one time a settled thing, but now they are regionally settled. What you do in Indiana or Ohio may not be done in Oklahoma. And Texas. And what is allowed in Texas may not be acceptable in Virginia. And what's done in Virginia may not be anywhere close to what's done in California. And we have built our regional thinking and our regional holiness until when you cross the state line, you almost got to change your message. And see, we have done this by ridicule. We have ridiculed the church's death. We have ridiculed the church's pain. We have ridiculed the church's struggle. And we tell us, and I tell ourselves that there is absolutely no true con- conception of what the church can do because there's no church doing it. But that doesn't excuse us. That only condemns us. You see, it's embarrassing when we have to appeal to some man and we have to appeal to some book. And we have to appeal to some seminar to try to find our problem when we ought to really come down to the very precept upon precept line upon line until it's all settled again can you say amen you see we have ridiculed being born again We've ridiculed sanctification, we've made fun of it, whether it's definite, progressive, whether it's definite, progressive, whether it's even needful. For some folks have now taken up the Calvinistic theory that you are saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost when you are saved. And they no longer ask for any more from God, they're satisfied. Where they're at and that is one reason why we are breathing hard and are out of shape and see some things dying right. amen. Amen. amen you see we as we slip towards the ditch so many have fallen into disregarding all of the warnings the examples and the history of all the great movements around us yet we are gradually sliding towards the same ditch line and the reason is it's not because of them over here or them over there the reason is here i do not accept my accountability to god and i am accountable to god not just as a minister but first as his child you see, a distracted church gets diverted from its spiritual pursuits. The things that we should be pursuing, going after, hungering for, thirsting for. The things that we must have to remain alive. The things that we cannot do without and remain a power in this world. The things that must be there, such blessings, these these blessings that have preoccupied us are not spiritual blessings. We find the church preoccupied with worldliness, doctrinal fans. Yes, right. Amen. Personal success. Pop psychology.
1: Church size
0: and internal arguments when's he going to come what does it matter he's coming let us go back to the basis the bottom line he is coming do you believe he's coming say amen he is coming then the eternal arguments are to be put to sleep once and for all among holiness folks The argument's over how much jewelry is excess. How much hair does have to fall from a lady's head before it's cut. Amen. How how much outside activity can we practice before we admit we're worried? How many amusement parks do we run to before we say, my whole vision is clogged and blurred
1: and I need... To come back to God and strengthen that which is ready to die.
0: Yes. There are some things that have just really distracted us. We no longer have revivals for the simple fact that we want God to turn our community around. Now you hear pastors say, I need revival so my church don't die. We'll have an evangelist to come in to save a
1: church.
0: No, you're not helping me preach, but that's okay. It never was meant that an evangelist would have to spend and preoccupy its time with healing the church. Amen. You see, we live in America. Which makes you very independent We preach to free holiness folks Which makes you double independent And we preach on issues you don't like And you get triple independent You're like my little granddaughter Who is is all of four years old And she's trying to struggle into adulthood at four She's trying to find out Just who are the bosses in her life And she has said to more than one You're not my boss Well that just, just doesn't work does it At four, she is only trying to weed out the the heads over her little life. And she's trying to find out, who do I have to answer to? And she goes down and says, you're not my boss. And you're not my boss. And you're not my boss. And eventually she runs into her mom. And all of a sudden she says, you're my boss. You see, that's the way we go through our camp meetings. And the preacher preaches. And you say, you're not my boss. And another one gets up and you're not my boss. And then we run back to home church and said, you're my boss, you're my boss, you're my boss. And the reason why you submit to them sometimes is because you control the purse springs. The head of the church is Jesus Christ. The boss. Come on, somebody say amen. The boss. The head of the church is still Jesus Christ. His word is the final, the ultimate. There is no recourse but to accept it as his word. Only his word can heal us. We must have his word. We must have more than just a rehearsed sermon. We must hear from him. We must know how he feels about us. We cannot venture further till we know what he is thinking about our well-being. Amen. It's unbelievable and to our shame that in the face of America's ongoing sin, ongoing sin, and its certain judgment that we stand here tonight in a church that we have watched join itself to America's national sin how did we do that by just being so distracted we didn't pay attention to which way it was going until it was too late prayer still changes things come on somebody help me preach prayer still changes things If this many people that's right here tonight would pray in earnest with a fire in their heart, don't you think that heaven wouldn't listen and bow ear and move for us. But as soon as this altar is given, there'll be some distractions happen right here in this congregation. There'll be a can of pop rise in the vision before you and a thirst that's so heavy on you that you can't pray very long with very much heart because you've got to excuse yourself. But there is a time when we don't need to be excused. We need to be brought to the very focus
1: point that if we don't pray, God's not going to answer. You have not because you ask not. Come on church, say Amen. You have not, because you ask not. If he'll do that for a new home and a car, if he'll do that for a sickness and a disease, how much more would God incline His head and say Amen for our nation, for our nation that is on a fast course towards an impending judgment
0: and sliding every day towards a fiery hell. God intended for his church to be prophetic against the sins of our country. That's not to to just say they ought not to do that, but stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, the nation that forgets God shall be turned into hell. Amen? Oh, come on, say amen. amen. Instead of standing up and voicing our, our authority as God's church, Whence did we seek the prosperity and continue to squander our spiritual blessings on self-serving doctrines? And we do so with the emphasis laying on those that please us. We emphasize the doctrines that please us, that serve our purpose. We need to be seeking God for the renewal of the body of Christ. We need to be watchful and strengthen the things that remain. That means that if every one of us would pay attention to one another and not let them backslide out of church, but try to get them before they got to the door. If we would be watchful and strengthen the things which remain while they are with us, while they're, watched, while they're there, while we can pray for them, while we can sing to them, while we can encourage them, while we can get a hold of them before they get out the door and back into the world. Then, my friend, we go to prayer and we cry and say, Oh, God, I never thought that that's
1: right. Well, did you see the symptoms? Can't you see the symptoms when a church starts going whirly? The first thing they do is try to look as much like somebody else as they can. Amen. Try to do like somebody else is doing, trying to parrot and mimic something else. We don't need something else. We need to be who we are.
0: We're God's choice. The scandal of our travesty is enormous and it shows our scandal is that we've lost some respect from the world we've lost a lot of respect because we did not live what we once preached and they said they'll change give them time they have gave us time and we're changing amen the tragic consequences that the church has given our nation the ideal that it can sin with impunity we have allowed people to believe that choices do not have consequences amen if God one time sent an evangelist to a town and shut down the carnival and the fair shut down the taverns Shut down everything in that town. Has God now relinquished the right to do so? Has God only got power to bring conviction under this building here? Does God not control yet the world and the affairs of the world? Can God not speak in what he says come to pass? Is there any power that can deter his word once spoken? It must be accomplished. It cannot fail. It must accomplish that which he sends it forth to do. God's word cannot fail. Can you say amen? Amen. God's word cannot fail. Can you say amen? Amen. God's word cannot fail. Can you say amen? amen? Then speak, Lord.
1: Speak concerning your holiness people. Speak, Lord thy servant heareth thee speak Lord for if you don't speak we die from the lack of hearing speak a word concerning us Lord we'd rather hear your rebuke than the science speak Lord at least we can repent amend our ways and prepare to meet our God speak Lord
0: let we perish you see the consequences of sin are the same it's still death if the nation practices it'll die if a church lets sin come in it is as good
1: as dead Ichabod you can't have a holiness church and have sin whether in the pulpit or the pew if it's sin will kill the church that's why preachers must lift their voice that's why we must as a movement lift our voice that's why we must have a vision that corrects our wrong that's why we must stand true firm and straight that's why we must lift our voice in protest that's why until we have a revival that revives us and gets us back in tune with god we are on the pattern of death
0: God is now holding us accountable and that's why he is strongly speaking to the church if there ever was a time for you to fall in line and in step with God It's tonight. America is in a moral and spiritual free fall. We're watching her. Sign coming down 44 said. uh, The steeled heartbeat. uh, It's called abortion. The stealing of the heartbeat is called abortion. I don't even know if the signs up to date or not. 4,000 a day. That's like looking around this whole congregation and every one of us dropping dead because someone decided we wasn't good enough to live. And yet the church does not cry out to God. That's not Europe's sin. That's not Asia's sin. That's not Mexico's sin. Nor Central America's sin. Nor South America's sin. Nor Africa's sin. Nor Australia's sin. Nor Canada's sin. That is America's sin. Our blood in our major cities run the sewer red with innocent blood not the blood of a cam- criminal not the blood of a murderer not the blood of a person leading our country to revolt but an innocent soul that snatched out at somebody's choice and we say you're not accountable but God said to Jeremiah before you was conceived and while you were forming in your mother's womb I knew you and I called you Somebody say amen. You may not agree with the preacher, but agree with the preaching. It's a sin. Call it what it is. It's a sin. It's not just a
1: choice. It's a sin. Homosexuality is not just a choice. It's not just a choice. We're trying to get a new word for it. It's not a choice. Oh, come on, stand up and say it's not a choice. There was a day when it was a sin, but now we're afraid to say it's sin. We no longer want to use the word sin because sin is frightening to a dying church. But it was a challenge to a strong church when sin raised up people rose up to meet it. When sin invaded, they rose up to pray it out. When the devil came in as a flood, the Lord raised up a standard against it.
0: You see, the nation has got the ideal now because of the church's silence that it can sin with impunity. We've allowed people to believe that there's no consequences to choice. That God thinks like we do. That God's theology is like ours. And that God really changes his mind when he crosses a state line. Amen. And folks say, now don't don't go over here to this church because that brother will nail your hide for this. But you can come over here, and I don't think it's that bad. And everybody that can't come up to a standard escapes to a substandard. You're welcome. Anyone that can't live up to a standard starts looking for a place for a substandard. Where it's not so bad and the conscience is not so alarmed and the heart is not so earnestly sought and searched. You see, that's where we are now in holiness. What they can't do at Brother Shoecraft's church, they may go across a state line and find somebody there who will say, you can go to heaven. If you heard Brother Cox, and he was, he was coming down pretty strong on preachers who said that eternal security would allow you to do anything. But what about our sense of eternal security? That which we know is wrong, and yet we will condone if the ties are right. Right. Amen. We don't need to run off, we need to face up. We don't need to make excuses, we need to move up to what we know. We don't need another split we need a word that heals us that brings us back to God and not just back to a movement amen the free fall is into a dark pit and sadly to say there's little warning from the churches of America because the voice of the church has been effectively silenced by our feel-good gospel I come to church saying, I want to feel good. Amen. That's why you're not shouting right now because you're waiting on the feel good at the end or something. It may not get any better than this. But if it doesn't, it's still right, isn't it? If it's right then it's bound to make me feel good when I hear God say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Feel good and seduced by self-improvement and success and self-image and prosperity movements and other distractions that keep us from the very fact that we all know that God is not going to have a lasting move. Unless it's in a church that is seeking purity of heart. Nothing less than purity of heart. Not just this... Put on holiness and take it off when I go on vacation. But purity of heart that keeps us wherever we're
1: at. And whatever we're doing. And is the guidelines to whether we do it or not. A purity that hates sin and is afraid of sin
0: and the consequences of it. Come on somebody say amen. Jesus gave sharp warnings to the, to the complacency and business-as-usual attitude of our day. Yeah. Times of Noah and Lot. Yeah. He called it the times of Noah and Lot. And he wasn't speaking to the citizens of his day. He was speaking to the church that was following him. So easily distracted. So easily turned away. Has the message of our church become a worldly echo instead of a holy voice? Are preachers just now echoing the thoughts of other men? Or do we hear in it the thundering of God's voice? Is it a holy voice that pricks our conscience and stirs our heart and makes us to examine ourselves until we know ourselves? And we have proved ourselves. The voice that we hear, is it leading us to a closer walk or giving us permission to do less and less and less? Where is our heart? Can I ask this? Great congregation here. Where is our heart? You say it's a camp meeting. That's why I'm here. I appreciate that. It's good for old acquaintances. It's good to have great fellowship. But there was a time when camp meetings like this was heard early in the mornings. Where the, where the meeting protracted until the breaking of the day. With voices that called out. I want more of God. I've come to get more of God. I've come to get a hold of God. I must have more of God. Amen. And they laid out in the trances and in the slaying in the spirit and holding on to altars, they wept and cried until the night waned late with no other excuse than I come to get more of God. And I ask you again, where is our heart? Did we wear our pretty dress to see if we could find a good-looking guy? Or did we wear that snappy tie to see if we could attract a good-looking girl? Or did we just come to see how big the crowd would be and if the preacher could preach it all? But all of those are subserving our holy desire to be. Before I
1: leave here, I want more of God. I don't care how far I drive, but I need have God. I don't care how much I have to pay, but I need have God. I must have the feel and the touch of the eternal on my hand, on my heart, and on my head. I cannot serve until he touches me. I cannot think until he touches me. I cannot believe until he touches me. And I need the touch of God. Bristol needs the touch of God. America needs the touch of God. And a revival can only come when God breathes upon us. Somebody say amen
0: where is our heart shouldn't we be panting after god oh god my heart panteth for thee as the heart does the water brook. where is the panting people of god that says i don't have enough and if i was to ask you right now are you satisfied right where you're at with your spiritual walk with god do you have all that it takes To turn, to turn these people back to God. All of these preachers in turn have had their great moments and preached wonderful. They have come to our churches and they have preached to us and they have displayed the wares of the Holy Ghost. And when a week has gone by, we find the same sinking feeling. And we look back and we say, It was great. But there is not a lasting move of God. And it's because within a week we're distracted. Back to the business as usual. Oh, it should help me preach. Where is our passion that says I want to please Him? You know, it would solve all of our holiness problems if every one of us would say, I just want to please him. There wouldn't be a question about sleeve lengths if we just wanted to please him. Wouldn't be a question about bangs and sides and curls. We all wanted to please him. A lot of the things could be just put forever to silence if we could just find the heart to please Him. You wouldn't sit in front of a television and try to please Him. You, you wouldn't go to a video store to find that worldly movie to take it home to try to please Him. Oh, You wouldn't line up to buy tickets to some some worldly thing if you were trying to please Him just think where that would bring us right back to focus if we just walk pleasing before Him Amen Have I lost you? Raise one hand towards heaven and say Lord help that preacher Help that preacher Dear God Do so if we are headed to judgment, is there anyone here that thinks we're not? We're headed towards judgment. Is there anyone here that thinks that you're not going towards judgment? Is there anyone in this whole building and outside on these wings that feel like you are going to be exempt from judgment? Every one of us then feel like we're going to go and stand before a great tribunal of God and be judged by the deeds and words said and done in this body, and we're not trying to amend our ways. I guarantee you, if the RS calls you and said you're going to be an audit, you can get your record straight quick. Come on, somebody say, Amen. amen. Why? Because you're afraid they're going to come and take everything you've got and find you and get in your billfold real deep and therefore you want everything to be in order. But God can say, set your house in order. You shall live only if you comply. And if you don't comply, you're going to die. Yet we have watched the thing, as the Bible says right here, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For the Lord said, I have not found thy works perfect before God. But yet, we're closer now than any generation's ever been to judgment. And we are less fearful than anyone has ever been of judgment. Amen. Amen. You see we're headed to judgment why are we not rushing then into the streets and in the highways and the byways and compelling them to come for the judgment is sure and if we're not careful we'll wait till lot did in the last minute rush we'll run out to our loved ones and they will make fun of us yes. For they watched us build our houses and they watched us
1: retire from our jobs and they watched us change churches and they watched us vote out preachers and they watched us scramble our doctrines and they watched us get confused and they watched us become worldly. And then when we tell them, you've got to live holy for the Lord's going to judge you, they're going to mock us.
0: If it is so that we're going to judgment, that our works are not perfect before God. If it is soul that we're lacking from the generation before us. If it's soul that we don't see the miracles that our forefathers seen. If it's so that we don't count the numbers of souls at an altar. That our forefathers counted. If it's so, we don't have the experiences around our altars of sanctification and the baptism like
1: they had. Then I'm asking, is our work perfect? If it is not perfect, then it calls for some drastic action. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent.
0: our problems are spiritual and that's where we must start we have a moral sickness and only repentance will cure us but we're running out of time we're running out of time only re- true repentance will cure us and we're running out of time we're running out of a precious commodity we're running out of time. The vision must be passed. Those who sit here that adorned this board that was that was there when the far fell and Pentecost set its roots deep must also have had a vision vision of God and a vision of the doctrine of what it meant you see William Fisher he's the renowned Nazarene minister said the most tragic time in the life of any church is when the vision is being carried out by those who never saw it oh God oh God When our evangelists make fun of sanctification, I say, oh, God. When we see church after church falling for this feel good, I want to be blessed. Play the drums, get it high. Let's run and shout and forget about judgment. and then our young people get in trouble because they don't have enough prayer life to keep them when they get in the dark the most tragic time in the life of any church is when the vision is being carried out by those who never saw it i don't see no sense In seeking for sanctification. Well how do you know if you even got it? Well if you know yourself you do. If you know what makes you tick. You'll know what makes you wind down. And wind up the other way. Amen. That's why you can leave a camp like this. And and get enticed to go rent some old dirty movie and watch it. That's why our young people to say, let's let's get us a movie and go hang out. Well, they wouldn't go to a theater because the pastor's lobby will drive by. So they'd make mom and dad go to bed and they turn the front room into a theater. That's all right. You don't have to say amen. I never thought Brother saw I'd see the day when holiness people would give consent to the movie. I never thought I'd ever see the day when they would give consent to watching the movies. The old preacher that preached to my to my grandpa called it the shadow on the wall because he didn't have another name for it. he said, people watching those shadows flicker on the wall it was a movie The flickering shadow on the wall this is not a new doctrine kids this has been preached against ever since holiness preachers got their calling and if any of us have still got a calling of God we're going to cry out against it the same Holy Ghost that called them has called us the same thing that was sin in that day is sin to this day. Somebody say amen. amen. If it's sin, then we need to stand and say, that's sin. I
1: don't want it in my house. That's sin. I can't afford it in my house. That's sin. And I will not allow it in my house.
0: Somebody shout amen. You see... Until we have again a vision that can be passed to this generation, we can't hardly pass it to our own children. I don't know how we're going to get it to our young preachers. But until they see it like we see it, we're facing the generation that's going to die. I told him at Brother JR's when I was preaching, I was just before I went down there to preach, I, I was driving down 48, which is in when Dayton 48 goes right by a big Nazarene church and I told him I seen activity in the parking lot so I just turned my head to look I thought maybe a wedding or a funeral because I seen activity outside the church and I thought they're getting ready to come out and always enjoy weddings I think they're happy moments but I looked over there and there was ballerinas their little furly thing and their leotards and their little ballerina shoes and not much dressed on the top and they were out there and the out there in the parking lot in front of the Nazarene church just going through their little dance and there are people was gathered around watching them and I drove just a few feet more and I said to myself John Wesley you would cry it almost drives me to tears and I'm not a Nazarene just to see just to see that we have to dance now to a different drummer makes me cry for there was a time when the Holy Ghost would drop in on us and all of us that knew him rejoiced in his presence and we danced because he arrived and we danced because he was here and we shouted because we felt him because we knew that with him on our side nothing would stop us it was always revival when He was there. It was always one miracle after another miracle. When He was there, when the Holy Ghost filled the church, there was nothing too hard and nothing impossible. And there was no sin that wasn't revealed. For He would tell on
1: you and rebuke you. For as many as the Lord loves, He rebukes and chastens. And the Holy Ghost is shedding abroad the love of God in our heart. Then we are the rebukes.
0: it's the silence that scares me we must set out to regain our vision one great man said vision never becomes the possession of many until it has become the passion of a few God in this great congregation tonight if you can find just a few when men get this desperate they start looking for the vision something begins to happen when we're willing to secure revival with blood for you have not yet resisted sin unto blood when we start beginning to try to secure revival with blood with a death certificate and with sweat and tears whether as a church or as a nation or as an individual When we cease to bleed, we cease to bless. Let me ask you. Do you put as much time in preparing your heart for the preaching as the preacher does to preach? Then it's no wonder you don't like preaching. if you do not pray oh god prepare my heart to receive your word let me find the crumb in the bread for me speak till my heart leaps as john did at the voice of mary let me hear your voice in the preaching Have we yet prepared our heart? Is there blood in our prayers? Do we stay and struggle until the great drops of sweat turn to blood? Our Lord did resisting and complying. Is there blood in our preparation for our holy living? Would you rather... Shed blood than to take away from the glory of his name. Is there blood in our altar call? Do we shed blood anymore? Especially our own blood. You see, the presence of the Holy Ghost, the very presence of God, is what every believer, every church should cherish. We are to live in His presence. I feel like He's in this place tonight. And the moment we sense that we have grieved the Holy Ghost, the moment we are aware that His beautiful presence is not evident, we should stop everything. We should stop everything until we are assured His presence has returned. We should stop everything and run to the Lord in repentance. We must have the Holy Ghost. We cannot live without him. And you say, man, have you taken your own pulse lately? Is it beating as strong with passion as it was when you first got saved? Have you sensed that He is not as strong in your life as He once was? How long has it been since you stayed any length of time at all in His presence? How long has it been since you prayed through and spoken tongues as a spirit gave you utterance how long has it been since he has interrupted your life with a burden or a conviction how long has it been can you count them on one hand the days if you can count them on one hand the days then sir you should ask the question what have I done to grieve you O
1: spirit of God
0: that you would stay away from me for a week if it's been longer than a week you may be slipping into a coma when you think you are alright and you are fixing to die I'm not talking about running around the building I'm talking about walking in the spirit so you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh I said if you loved him you wouldn't do those things if you sought to please him you wouldn't but I know definitely if you had the Holy Ghost you wouldn't do any of the above I know it upset you didn't it you're you're going to tell me after a while you're going to tell me said, bless God I've got the Holy Ghost I don't see nothing wrong with that well, bless God, I've got the Holy Ghost and I do. Now, one of us don't have the right one. Let's pull our credentials out and see if we can trace this thing back. Now, when did yours start saying it was all right? Because as far back as I can go, mine's always said it's wrong. And my mammal said it was wrong. And she said the preacher told her it was wrong And when she prayed the Holy
1: Ghost told her it was wrong And she told me that if I ever got saved it'd be wrong for me And you know what? I got saved, it was So mine's not a 30 day, 60 day, 90 day thing It's not just when the Methodist and the Nazarene And the Assembly of God and the Church of God And the big television preachers or the seminar preachers Say it was alright Mine goes Mike goes back to the holiness example. Mike goes back to the very root of the cross. If you've got the Holy Ghost, He'll lead you into holiness, righteousness. Somebody shout Amen. Don't tell me He lets you do that. You're doing it and grieving Him. Don't tell me He lets you go there. You're doing it and vexing Him. And you're the one that's in danger.
0: Because if He leaves you, you are a dead cause. Amen. 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 See, y'all don't agree with me. It's okay. It's still right. Amen. Even the, even the preachers are sometimes afraid to say amen. But it's still true. Amen. Amen. Our church must return back to its first love. We must now draw from memory. Isn't it strange, Brother Barnett, that he said, remember? Why didn't he say, just look?
1: No, it was so far gone. He said, remember how you have received. Remember. It's time for us to turn the clock back in our memory and say, how was it then when God walked our aisles and sinners run to our altars? How was it then when men fell under the great convicting power of God? How was it then that we had more experiences than we've ever had? I call you tonight to remembrance. We are a church that has been distracted and we need to pull our memory back When the glory of God filled our tabernacle, our tabernacle.
0: No, not all of you want to do it. That's why we don't have a lasting revival. But those of you who do must respond tonight. Because we must turn. We must turn. How many agree we must turn? We must turn. We must turn. We must turn. turn. We're going to lose our young people except we turn. We're gonna lose our heritage except we turn. We're gonna lose the Holy Ghost except we turn. Oh yes, you say to Brother Benny, don't you know that don't you know that there, there's things you can do to hype up a meeting? The other day I stood in the hospital and talked to a young man and there and he sat with his goatee and mustache and goatee, his cut-off baggy pants and his, his little t-shirt on and I, I looked at him I didn't think he went to church I said you need to come to church with your cousin here oh he said I'm, I'm, I'm the worship leader at our church and I told my wife as we left I thought he's a candidate for salvation but that's, that's who you replace the Holy Ghost with cheerleaders come on let's feel good Everybody feel good
1: tonight. Come on, somebody say amen and let's feel good. We don't need to feel good over the top of such a stuff as that. We need to repent and come back to God. We need to, we need to repent and come back wholehearted.
0: ghost thank the Holy Ghost thank you father for caring thank you father for caring there are some people in this congregation tonight that you're too far from God and you know it there are some, there are some people that need to repent and change their ways and they know it they know it they know it. you need to just stand up and step out and come To these altars, these time proven, God given places where God meets with us. These